When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Truman Show is about a man whose entire life has been the subject of a reality TV series, completely unbeknownst to him. I mean, you gotta see Truman Show. I mean, it's one of those films, right? The more you were engaged in it and the more that you go into the world, that you just get so much more out of it. It's, it's kind of a prison break film if in The Shawshank mm. Redemption, Andy Dufresne didn't realise he's in prison till about an hour in. So this is a film that is immensely rewarding the more times you watch it. There's just something really timeless about it. And yeah, I, I, I would recommend it to anyone. I absolutely love it. Yeah, a big fat five. Hello everybody, welcome to Flix Watcher. Joining us today we have Al. Hello. Camille. Hello. And as always, Kobe. Yay, hello. And we're here today to review The Truman Show. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello and welcome to this episode of FlixWatcher Podcast. Joining us remotely today we have Al and Camille. If you would like to say hello and tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. I'm Camille. Cool. <laughs> and, no, I'll, I can say more. I, I thought we were going to do like a thing. It's like, I'm, I'm Camille. This is Al. All right, anyway, I'm Camille. When you say you pro- thought you were going to do a thing. Was that planned or were you just like sending? <laughs> no, I, I thought we were synced by now, but okay. No, I'll I mean... just, you know, I'll just do, do it separately. I'm Camille. I'm the producer of Script Apart and uh, I'm a filmmaker as well. And this is the host of the show. I'm Al. I uh, am the host of Script Apart, which is a podcast about uh, the first drafts behind great movies. I'm also a journalist and I write for The Guardian and Empire and Little White Lies and whoever else will have me. Um, so we're, we're big fans of a Script Apart. It's meticulously well-researched. Um, we we had Black Klansman, we reviewed that, Black KK Klansman, and I wished I'd have listened to it before we did the episode because then I would have picked up some of your excellent research and used it in the podcast and passed it off as my own um, <laughs> my own information. But um, how how do, how do you go about um, kind of making the decisions about what films you look into? So the research is kind of my bread and butter. Just as a journalist, that's something like that's um, part of my kind of day job, I suppose. 
And um, yeah, it's very, very time consuming, sort of delving deep into the screenwriters' stories um, and the sort of larger stories of the film does take quite a while to kind of like prep every episode um and part of that process is of course like reading the early draft scripts that these screenwriters kindly send over so yeah it is a long process in terms of picking the films it's a pretty democratic process and like it basically involves me and cam on a whatsapp thread being like do you like this film i like this film and it can be literally anything i mean yeah sort of like the run of episodes, I don't know exactly when this episode's coming out, but like the like upcoming episodes that we are recording or have recorded include 10 Things I Hate About You and, you know, all the way to kind of like Zodiac, the David Fincher film. So there really is like nothing that, um, there's, there's no constraints on it. It's just yeah. basically, do we love the film? And is there like something to be learned from like the story of its creation, I suppose? And so you said, sorry, go on, Cam. I was just going to add that sometimes the ideas for the films that we pick come from other videos or like watching like a documentary about the making of some film. And then you hear a crazy story about like how, I don't know. I mean, I wanted to get Oliver Stone on this because he like did so many films, wrote so many of his films on cocaine. I was like, dude, we got to get <laughs> Oliver Stone. <laughs> Obviously, like getting Oliver Stone is a little bit tough, but like sometimes it's just watching another video, you know, listening to another podcast and I'm, oh, that's a crazy story. And maybe we can get that person um, behind that um, to, yeah, kind of get and come on the show. And when you, when you get in contact with the guys, do you, the, um, the writers do you suggest the film you want to talk about so for Barry Jenkins you asked about Moonlight rather than if Beale Street could talk yeah so usually um you know I send a pleading email that, that um leans heavily on the fact that I've either profiled that person before or like we've met and worked together in some capacity and um yeah sort of or they've just sometimes they've read my stuff elsewhere so there's a little element of trust they understand that we're uh you know we want to talk about we've picked this film that we want to talk about because it's the biggest of your work and we want to okay. like attract the most people because we're a charity podcast we're trying to raise uh money for like causes that we care about so um yeah for the most part like uh we just sort of like say and sometimes it's a case of like um they push back and they're like oh i actually feel more kind of passionate about this project and in those cases sometimes we just record both oh, okay yeah yeah so tell us about the charity aspects of things, by the way, because that's that's a part I did notice from um, from your show. So which charities do you support? So we support uh, Black Minds Matter UK, which is a charity that provides therapy in the UK to like people who otherwise may not have access to it. Mm-hmm. Um, we also support the film and TV charity, which, uh, yeah, is any kind of film industry person who's been affected by the coronavirus crisis. Yeah. Um, and we also split our like earnings, income, whatever you want to call it, with um, yeah, NHS charities in their sort of COVID nineteen appeal. Yeah. So please donate, guys, and enjoy the show. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Donate. Tell us where at the end. Well, tell us now where you can donate to. Um, how we can donate to you guys because I think that's a super important thing you're doing, especially as we're recording this today. We're finding more and more about the, the film industry going. Yeah. Or at yeah. least the screening industry uh, taking taking a big hit. Yeah, you can donate at uh, scriptapart.com. There's a big button to donate, and then you just do it via PayPal. It's really easy. You can't miss it. It's out there. <laughs> you know. Okay, Al, we're here talking about your film choice, which was The Truman Show. 
Can you tell us first of all why you chose it and then a synopsis as concise as possible in a minute or less? Yeah, sure. So I picked it for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, I don't think any movie with the exception of maybe The Matrix, which came out a year later. Um, I don't think any movie has broke my brain as massively as The Truman Show did when I first watched <laughs> it. I was like 10 and my dad came home with a DVD of it. Um, sent me into a bit of a spiral. Um, but yeah, there's also, so there's a personal attachment, but also in terms of script apart, this is kind of uh, a movie that's important to our origin story. So it felt like a good one to pick. Um, yeah, it's 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 kind of where the podcast came from in a way. Well, you're going to have to explain that. I realized that halfway through saying it and realized I was going to push over my minute. I was like, go on out. <laughs> so basically, uh, the Truman Show, like at the beginning of lockdown, I came across like an early draft of the film, which is written by this uh, New Zealand screenwriter called Andrew Nichol. And it was really, really different. So much darker with lots of key ingredients, just unrecognizable to the film it became. And there's some really disturbing stuff in there where like Truman kidnaps a baby and tries to drown his wife in a bathtub. And oh, wow. it's set in New York rather than in this like uh, sort of idyllic kind of bubble that um, has been created for Truman. And I was absolutely fascinated with that sort of initial vision for it. And the idea was like, I really want to speak to Andrew Nicole about that first draft. And kind of, yeah, I sent it to Cam and then we were like, there's actually a podcast in that. So like we we haven't actually managed to ever get hold of Andrew, but yeah, the, the 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 podcast very much came out of this. This script is so different, and it went through so many changes to become the film that everyone loves today. And they're all wise changes. Um, I was really interested to know and like yeah, what was the process of getting from point A to point B? Well, do they love it? We're going to find out in this discussion. Uh, <laughs> yes, I've made a few presumptions there. <laughs> you have them. Uh, so can you give us a synopsis, please, Al? Yeah, sure. So uh, The Truman Show is about a man whose entire life has been the subject of a reality TV series, completely unbeknownst to him. He lives in uh, this world created entirely for him, populated entirely by actors. Pulling the strings is this mysterious media mogul called Christoph, who wants to keep Truman in this massive TV studio he's built for him. Uh, Truman, though, over the course of the movie, begins to suspect that all is not as it seems. That's fair enough. Um Helen, Cam, what are your thoughts on Truman Show? So I, I love this film and I don't like Jim Carrey. When this came out, I kind of was sort of like, mm, do I want to go and see it? Because I, I don't really like his comedy stuff. And um, I went to see it and loved it. And now I will watch Jim Carrey if he's being kind of serious. Um, but yeah, I think, it's, I think it's great. It's fascinating. It's interesting what you're saying about Andrew Nichol because he did the script for Gattaca as well, which we've had on. Um mm. And I, I just really kind of like his future visions and how he thinks that maybe the world could look in the future, even though I'm saying that this has kind of got this real kind of like 60s, 50s throwback vibe. So I love everything about this. Yeah, I like this. Like, I love this film. And it reminds me of, yeah, when I was a kid and I it was like in that run of films, uh, you know, it's Truman Show, Fight Club, being John Malkovich. Uh, Matrix and I was like wow you can do different type of stories you know it had such a futuristic idea of our reality and everything um, I mean I, I view it differently now but I still love the film for what it is and like I'll mention it has a special place in my heart because of the origins of our podcast um, but I, right now at this point I'm much more interested in the Andrew Nichol version of it than right. in the film that we have currently I mean I love it for what it is but I, I 
like I, I kept thinking rewatching it now. Oh, I just wish you know that version existed somehow. See, so, yeah. I don't. I'm I'm very much the other way on it. Like to me, what I love about this film is it's so uplifting, and it's like it's weird. It's like an uplifting is it, is drama. It uplifting? I find it, I think maybe the score partly is like, uh, has that effect on me, but like, I don't, to me, it's like the Shawshank Redemption. It's uplifting in the same way the Shawshank Redemption is because it's actually a pretty similar movie. Like it's, it's kind of a prison break film. If in the Shawshank Mm -hmm. Redemption, Andy Dufresne didn't realize he's in prison till about an hour in. It's, uh, yeah, it's, (laughs) there's something like really uplifting about like a story of one person, like yearning for freedom and then achieving it so what what cam when i guess who do you think would direct the version of the first draft of the script and then a question for both you guys um in reading the first scripts of the films are you sometimes like i wish you how often do you ever or if ever do you think i wish you'd actually just filmed this first version because it sounds a lot better Exactly. I mean, uh, it's funny they asked me who would direct it because I was thinking who would be there rather than Jim Carrey because I don't right. think Jim Carrey works for a darker version. And but now that you, I think like someone like Spike Jones or some at the okay. at the same time, they're giving that gritty quality that would being John Malkovich had in a way where it's like yeah. you know if we let's say we are sitting in New York then he could create maybe like a darker version of New York, something a little bit more abstract but familiar. And if I can't answer, because the, um, Robin Williams was in talks for this part, and then I would love to see a combination of Robin Williams doing a darker version of Truman Show with uh, Spike Jones at you know the height of, of his youthful, youthful power, you know, um, doing it. Because in a way, it's such a Kaufman-esque idea, you know, like you know how we had like Cindy Dutch in New York later on and stuff like that. So. If you re- like, if you had that early script, maybe it could have been something darker and weirder in a way. And now it's just much more like a fifties po- po- postcard, which is also cool, but it's, it's a it's a different film. I think I'm um, based on a couple of things you said. I watched it when I was ten years old. If I had watched this at ten years old, I think I would my head would have fallen off. Um, <laughs> but I I watched this at the cinema when it came out, and haven't watched it since. But I remember leaving the cinema and was just. I freaked out. <laughs> Everything suddenly <laughs> became like, could, could this actually, this, this could happen. This could, this could kind of happen, I guess. This could kind of happen. And then we, there's a few things happened. There's this TV show on, on Channel 4 where they did, did like a fake shuttle ride and they got lots of uh, people in with the prize being that you're going to ride the shuttle to the moon. And oh, it's it completely faked. But everything about it was like, they, they went to all these stages and all these people genuinely believed that even though they weren't astronauts, they were going to get in a space shuttle and be rocketed up to the moon, and this thing really happened. And we followed. I followed it day by day. I was just like, "How can you? How can you? How can you do this?" And but it's true because they they picked the people and most suggestible, the, the people that had least experience on you know physics and things like that. And they found four or five people who generally thought they were going to the moon, and it's kind of insane. But obviously, Truman is. It was picked as 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 a unwanted child, so he had no kind of reference in time. Um, but I just kept on thinking this this kind of thing really could happen somewhere mm. that someone else's someone's life is just completely controlled by well, the, the, a the, there master. is something called the Truman syndrome where people are actually believing that they're living in a reality TV show like Truman is since then. So I guess it's probably had 
a bit more of an effect on some people than everyone else. Most people go, yeah, it's a cool movie. Every now and again, someone <laughs> goes, hmm, well, you know, maybe maybe it's me. Maybe people are watching me. Me, specifically. Yeah. <laughs> Is that extreme narcissism in a way? or I don't know. Probably a little bit of craziness <laughs> thrown in. I mean, these days, with the so- with social media and all that, I don't know. Yeah, I think there's worse things than uh, Truman Show, to be honest. Well, well, it's worth actually flagging that this, yeah, not only predated social media, which, like, the films unintentionally make some really interesting sort of observations about, obviously, it was so before it's before the time of social media. It also, like, completely predates reality TV. I think the first series of Big Brother was, like, another two years away at this point. There's something just so interesting about, like, the things that it foreshadowed. And to watch, like, one of the things I love about this this film and that I love about coming back to it again and again is like I always discover something new or like the 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 lens of the time that I watch it through like so right now in a time mm-hmm. of like Instagram like my response to this film is totally different to how it was 10 years ago watching it in a time of reality TV and that response was totally different to how it was another 10 years prior to that when I was 10 and just like losing my brain over this How film. How old is this film? Sorry. I need to... <laughs> it's 1998. Okay. Yeah, 22. Yeah. I was going to say. Um, but yeah, I think that's the thing. If, you, if, it, if it was to be made now, I don't think it would have the impact that it did because people would just be like, yeah, I mean, I can see that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, 1998, I was 18. I was first year at university. Like you say, um, Big Brother was either the next year or the year after that. And... I had a phone but it was the worst um so just people weren't as connected and we weren't watching people in the way we do now be it tiktok or or reality tv or instagram whatever but if this was to come out now i think it would just it wouldn't part of the part of it is the impact is the shock of like could you imagine this happening and now it'd be yeah i can imagine it happening i can wholly imagine this happening it probably is happening somewhere genuinely probably is happening seven and a half billion people on this planet some people are playing with other people's lives in in this way. I'm sure. Well, people are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, people are doing it willingly, right? All the vloggers. Some people yeah. are vlogging yeah. each day of their life, you know. And uh, I think if, like, I agree with you, it wouldn't have the same impact. And if if we were just thinking about the film being successful, you know, like and not being a flop on based on this concept, again, it would we, it would have to be a much bigger concept film, maybe a TV show. Like, you know, the TV series, you know, where you can go deeper, like kind of Westworld, you know, who's yeah. behind this. And that's kind of the feeling I had rewatching it, you know, it was just at this point, I'm kind of like, oh, I kind of wish I knew a little bit more about Christoph. I wish I knew like more about the production of the show, you know, yeah. than, and how it worked, you know. And, and my favorite bit in the film is actually the montage of how it came about and his whole life up up until that point, you know, when they explain what Truman Show is. And yeah, the more I rewatch it, I just kind of find myself more intrigued with the concept in a deeper way. Yes, it's, it's interesting you said that. I mean, this this film is one of the ones where you start digging into the trivia. It's incredible. Like there's so many things that could have been. And I think in the original kind of scripts and concepts, there was a lot more of kind of the background on Christoph, and there's, mm-hmm. you know, a lot more going into it as well. Um, but there's all kinds of stuff like Dennis Hopper was potentially in line to pay Christoph and mm. Parts of Truman were sort of based on Michael Jackson, and um, there's quite a lot of Jim Carrey improvisation, like the the opening scene and the bits where he's kind of talking to himself in the mirror. 
And I think that kind of caused a little bit of friction with Peter Weir at the time because um, um, they, they obviously have different styles, but in the end they kind of overcame it to bring together, which I think is probably the best of Jim Carrey in that he gets to... I quite like... It's really interesting that he... The roles that I like him the most in is where he's kind of sad and you can tell that he's really not happy. And that's when I like Jim Carrey the most, like this and Eternal Sunshine. Mm. Um, and I think it, it really he's really good at doing that. But then also he has kind of like the, the funny, silly Jim Carrey kind of wackiness in there as well. So I think mm. his performance in this is really great. And the supporting cast as well, like Laura Linney, I really love her. And this was the first time that I'd seen her in this. And I just think everything really comes together it's really interesting with with jim in this film like he uh was obviously like on a massive hot streak at the time and there was no doubt like a commercial region commercial reason why he was cast but there's something about like his performance he does have to downplay some of like the high wire craziness that he was really known for and that he brought to roles like ace ventura in the mask but i think in this role a lot of that nervous energy kind of like makes sense with the character his kind of like slight hints of insanity they they like it's it makes sense with this guy who cannot shake this feeling that something isn't right that something is fundamentally wrong about the world he's being asked to exist in and it just like it's like a nice sort of synergy of his normal kind of flavor as an actor and like who this character is i can't see another actor nailing it in quite the same way I would like to see Robin Williams do this because in the same kind of way when Robin Williams is on point comedic, com- from a comedic point of view he's outstanding and no one touches him but also when he does the serious stuff he's still like he's like oh shit Robin Williams can do drama mm. and so I, I, I do, when when you see actors that have that dual side in this it's interesting so it would be interesting and with Cam I'd like to see the Spike Jones Robin Williams in the dark dark like certain hell's kitchen like horrible place in new york not i'm not talking manhattan here this is like yeah. a horrible uh baby stealing version can but i throw something out there though sure so, not you know when I, <laughs> definitely not um but you know when when i talk about how sort of like the fascinating thing about like going to an early script uh of the truman show in the truman show first draft or early draft he was pitched like much older and he was like the character was meant to be yeah, actually kind of around that age that Robin Williams would have been at the time, like much, much older, like sort of like late 40s, early 50s, I suppose. And in terms of it being like that ending, I think what's uplifting about the ending in the film as we know it versus if it had been the original draft and it had been this older character, like when Truman gets out at the end, there's something he's got his life ahead of him still because he's still fairly young. Whereas like when I read the script, that small detail of like other characters a bit older, it just plays mm. like a tragedy at the end because his his life has been robbed of him and he's like well into middle age sort of thing. So yeah, I think Robin Williams, I'd love to see him in it, but I'd like to see a younger Robin Williams. I think like the one of the like small details that um, they got right in those sort of subsequent drafts was making that character a bit younger. I think it really is the key to the ending working. And like, I like... A lot of the other aspirations to um, kind of modern life now, like the consumerism aspect. I loved how each time, you know, you'd follow the same path into work. You'd meet those two kind of very similar looking guys. They'd push them against this wall, yeah. which happened to have an advert on it. And you could just kind of see 
Christoph's mind or the producer's mind saying, right, he's hit that mark. That's 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 a million pounds or whatever, how much they're hitting. And then the things about everything you see in the Truman Show is for sale. You can buy his clothes. You can buy his audio. Yeah. All this kind of stuff is just like, you can see all these different cogs going into it. And that's what makes it a lot more terrifying in a way. Mm. For, for me, it was this was this fully sustained, horrible kind of beast, not just taking a kid who wasn't wanted and putting him in, in, in a Petri dish almost. It's mm. really interesting you saying about that because when I watched it this time around, um, it really reminded me of working on Secret Cinema and Back to the Future where <laughs> you're like on radios and you're waiting for all the cues and there's things going around and repeats and everything. So <laughs> that, that was a different experience for me personally. But it is that kind of, I could imagine myself being... On, in the Truman Show as kind of a cast member and you'd yeah. have your sets and you'd have to wait for your cues and things and then if something went wrong it would be like oh cut to this or go to that <laughs> so it was a different viewing experience for me I did love it when he kind of when he started to break mould and the people he was interacting with were like oh shit it doesn't normally talk to me I hi I, I don't know what to do um, <laughs> that kind of stuff <laughs> was, was intriguing sorry Cam I think you were going to say something before I mean, I mean you used the word terrifying and I just uh, thought about the scene that I kind of, I think it was one of, like, I haven't viewed it in the same way before. You know the scene where his, like, Mar- like Truman is kind of figuring things out and Marlon mm-hmm. takes him out for beers again. And and they have that conversation. And from what I've read, there was like the whole thing about Marlon maybe also being a, an alcoholic um, and some versions of the script and or maybe with scenes that I got, got cut out, I can't remember. But he does drink in a lot of the final film. I don't know if you yeah. guys noticed. He's always got his beers on. He's, he's always, always got he's, six beers. Exactly. Pristine, pristinely lit by the camera. The scene between Marlon and Truman, when the music really gets darker and he tells him that if everybody's in on this big plot, that you're, you know, something's wrong with this world. If everybody's lying to you, then I'm lying to you as well. And the music gets darker. And, you know, it's just a close-up on Marlon, you know, because he is lying, like, straight to mm. his face, you know, that, that this whole rela- relationship we got is fake. And and I, this is the first time I kind of view this scene, and it's kind of like, oh, wow, I wish, you know, they kind of went deeper into that, you know, the, the kind of the relationship he the relationships he created, what effect that had on those people, you know, in terms yeah. of that's his fake wife, that's his fake best friend, you know, psychologically. And, you know, it always brings me back that like, okay, the film is kind of light. It's deep, you know, and it's, you know, it creates a lot of important questions, but I wish it was a little bit um, deeper with its characters and what it... I, I genuinely think there's something there. Cam, uh, let's let's get together and make a, a screenplay for a TV <laughs> teleplay of this, <laughs> like say along the Westworld thing. Because I, I was thinking about Laura Linney's character because mm. that's a dark thing. If she's not in love with this guy, exactly, she's being paid. Obviously, when she first started it, she was probably like, "Yeah, I'm going to be in a streaming show. I'm going to be in a love interest." Blah, 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 blah. But then, like at some point, it's like, "Oh my god, this is this is wrong." Like, yeah. how do I keep sustaining this? And she only stops when he almost, because he flips out and almost, you know, attacks her. Um, and that's that side of the human. It'd, it'd be great to see like her, her, him walking out the door and her just face just like falling, and just yeah. be like, oh, another day. Yeah, it's gone. And that that kind of stuff. It's just a little that thing, side right? Must be super interesting. It's just a little bit, you know, of that. Like, if I feel like it's a little bit unexplored in that mm. way. I think yeah. it's for me, like. I have loved coming back to the film time and time again over the years and sort of like those things because they're not left pronounced like 
you kind of notice it and your mind wanders away with that thought. And mm. yeah, I've spent a lot of time. I, I love like the subtlety of it. And I like the fact that those things go, they're, they're teased rather than like a subplot kind of thing. I think like there's the thing that unites all the characters here is the same thing that, that was in the Matrix two years later. This idea that there is something wrong about artificiality and a reality that's hollow and like it's a tragedy for Truman that he's kept in this cage that he can't see but it's also like it's somehow almost even sadder the wife going to work every day and like having to do this pantomime and like you know I don't know there's just so many little elements of it every time that she does one of her product placement things (laughs) it's just it's hilarious at the same time it's just like this sort of like strained smile just breaks my heart and makes me feel sick at the same time i don't know i love all those like touches i think yeah. like a big part of the sort of like enduringness i don't know if that's a word of the film is the way that those things are sort of teased rather than like it gives you there's so much to explore in the confines of your own head after you watch this film instead of trying to cram it all in and sort of uh you know elbow out central character in the piece this is like an amazing film about one person and like while the mythology of it's really really interesting to me it would be a crime to lose sight of that character truman is so endearing and lovable and goofy and stupid and you want him you want him to get out as he does at the end it is like an extended uh, black mirror isn't it yeah yeah that's true like it yeah. kind of really reminds me of another film that started out much darker when I was watching it, um, of Groundhog Day. It's kind of got those sort of similar vibes, um, kind of the repetition and the slightly sad depressingness, but also played off with lots of comedy and kind yeah. of the struggle to kind of get things right in that. In But in Truman's case, the, the kind of like right path they were guiding him on, he just was battling against it. Here's a question for you, Helen. I'm really glad you brought up Groundhog Day because from my count, right, I'm trying to think of like films whose name has gone on to like transcend in society and become, if you say Truman Show to, to, oh, that's a bit Truman Show. Everyone knows what that means and what that reference like implies. And it's the same with Groundhog Day. And the only other film I can think of that like ticks that box is like Inception. I'm trying to think if there's any other like films I'm missing that like, uh, when you mention that, it it, def- it describes such a particular experience. I think the Matrix is one, or, or, yeah. or like a particular phrase where yeah. someone says it's a glitch in the Matrix. Yeah. Of course, yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah. And may- maybe like Blair Witch for like anything that's found footagey type thing or anything mm. like that, possibly. Yeah. And I, I also have a question. Like, why do you guys think that the concept of reality TV wasn't like, I mean, you got Truman Show, but like mm-hmm. the other films that were about reality TV show, like they weren't that popular or big. There's nothing like really bigger than Truman Show with that sort of concept, right? And, well, or am Ed I wrong? Ed TV, TV right? One. Flop, yeah, right? after, didn't it? About yeah. After. Um, Showtime with like De Niro and uh, Eddie Murphy, like somehow, like it's a little bit like that. But why is Truman Show just the film about reality TV? I think it didn't, just because reality TV took a massive hold yeah mm. it, it just it was it was like well i can watch a 90 minute two-hour film about reality tv or i can watch these people actually sleeping whilst i should be sleeping myself mm. kind of thing so i don't think tv i don't think film could could capture that mm. uh, but in, in the same of, satisfying way but that, i don't know that's my mm. that's my thought <laughs> but in terms of like if you bracket it 
with like films about reality super mm. interesting the amount of films around at that time i don't know what was in the water but like fight club is about sort of like your perception of reality kind of being unraveled and the matrix again same truman show like existence being, being were, john malkovich as well being yeah. john malkovich like the, I, I don't know whether it was like anxiety about like the new millennium or like you know sort of millennium bug coming up you know sort of everyone was freaking out or whether it was like computers starting to creep into our lives and us starting to all kind of like spend a bit more time online but like there was something in the water around that time everyone was freaking out about what reality was anymore and they were making these films yeah. that like have all have endured in their sort of own separate ways should we head to the scores guys Hello, I'm Sam Pei. And I'm Martin Zolt-Sorstwick. And we are the two hosts of a podcast called Song, Song by Song, Song, where we listen every week to a track by the musical artist Tom Waits. Uh, you might know him for his gravelly voice. <coughs> uh, very nice. His appearance in films, but also his multi-decade spanning career uh, involving blues, jazz, and all sorts of other kinds of experimental music. So we're basically like a book club for Tom Waits. And if that sounds like your cup of tea, you can find us at songbysongpodcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. So welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of our scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And we'll start with you, please, Al, with your recommendability. It's a big old five from me. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. I think it's an absolute masterpiece and I think it's like weirdly somehow underrated. I can't believe it's not sort of discussed more as like one of the like real kind of core canon, you know, amazing films of that period. Well, um, I was just thinking about Peter Weir, the director. He hasn't done that many films, but this is probably, his, his, well, this and um, Dead Poets Society are the are his outstanding ones, aren't they? Yeah. yeah that's the ones true. that I've seen anyway. I don't think I've seen his other films. Master and Commander. What's up? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at the list now, but that's, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, Truman Show is the second probably... Master and Commander, isn't it? It's not the first one. No, no, no. The, the one with uh, yeah. uh, Russell Crowe. Oh, the Witness as well. Witness, okay, what's up? Witness is great. Uh, <laughs> um, Cam. Yeah, uh, yeah, five. I mean, you got to see Truman Show. I mean, it's one of those films, right? And uh, like now I want to go strong. Um, so yeah, five. I mean, it's just like if you if you do that, like the list that we've been going through this whole episode, right? Like being John Malkovich, Fight Club, Matrix, Truman Show is there, and you just got to see it to get the vibe of those times. Of like, I mean, it's not. I wish it was made in nineteen ninety nine, the year for movies, right? It the just would, year. yeah, it would just yeah. fit perfectly, but it's not. Um, but still, <laughs> it's still around that time. And I, I just think, it, yeah, a big fat five. Helen. Yeah, a five. Um, I, I think it's brilliant. And it's it still could kind of come out now and still be as good as it is. It's just there's just something really timeless about it. And yeah, I, I, I would recommend it to anyone. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go for 4.5. Um because I don't think I'd, I still think if it came out now, or if you watch it for the first time mm. now as an adult, you'd be like, I'd, "No, so." Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I think, oh no, I think if you watch it for the first time as like a seventeen-year-old um, or eighteen-year-old, mm. as I did for the first time, I, I don't think you'd, you'd see the impact of it. 
But I think um, if it was someone, you know, our age, 30 to 40, watching for the first time, I think they'd still kind of get it. So I, I, I would recommend it differently, to, depending on who I was recommending it to. Um, repeat viewing score, Al. Uh, I would give it five, an emphatic five. There is so much amazing detail buried into this film. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still sort of discovering stuff like this rewatch. It was like, oh yeah, he's got like vitamin D supplements everywhere, like littered in the background. Because of course he does, because he's He's not getting any natural sunlight. Yeah. So yeah, there's so many. And also you can like, um, yeah, sort of spend all day kind of looking in the background of shots for where all the kind of million little cameras are this sort of like level of detail is such that yeah you can rewatch this and well 22 years later in my case still be discovering things and finding those little breadcrumbs it's so interesting cam uh i was gonna give it a four but the vitamin d thing (laughs) gives it four and a half because I think, like, once you know where it's going, you know, when you know that he's just going to go into the wall, you know how it ends. It's just the rewatchability aspect, you know. Like, I mean, yeah, I was just looking at the cameras, the where they position. But at the same time, it started annoying me that some of the shots are made from these cameras and the other ones are, like, as if the camera was right next to them. And I thought, like, oh, that's a little bit inconsistent. And, <laughs> and yeah, so I just think four and a half, four and a half instead of a five, yeah. Helen? So this is a film that is immensely rewarding the more times you watch it. And I think this time around for me, it was sort of paying more attention to the people who are watching Truman and sort of seeing like their lives and their backgrounds. Like I love the bar where it's like Truman 24-7 and the people who work there and just all of the characters in there. So I think it's just the more you watch it, the more you will kind of get out of it for me anyway so I'm going to give it a five and also I seem to have this memory of it by it being like a two hour plus film but it's actually only an hour and 43 minutes so it's a lot shorter I mean it could be a three hour film it could be much much longer but I think the length is just about right for it um I've only seen this is the second time watching it um because it did freak me out um but <laughs> it's one of those films that you you know you have to watch at least once more so it's going to be high because of that I'm not sure how often I'm going to rewatch it but um you know, I will. Um, and I can imagine on each rewatch there are layers. Like that that vitamin D is a nice deep cut there, Al. I, uh, I didn't notice it, but when you said it, I was like, yeah, of course. He's not got, he hasn't got natural sunlight. It's mm. insane. Um, so I'm going to go for four. Um, but I do think, I do really want to see that TV show because I'd, I'd like to see what the other, you know, the people watching the show as well, what they're getting out of it. That yeah. must be an interesting angle as well. Um, it's sorry to jump in there's like some of the you know how they keep cutting to people who are watching it at home who there are some amazing one of those guys is scully from brooklyn 99 and just i don't know if you guys watched that but it absolutely killed me oh yeah yeah i noticed that i've got that written in my notes (laughs) scully i was also thinking in terms of um bit parts i think this is the first time i saw paul giamatti um, yes. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Small screen score. Ow. Um, so it, on one hand, is like a very intimate character piece. So, you know, I appreciate watching it at home. But as I touched on in like the last category, there is just so much detail in the mm. back of every shot. And there's like a lot of amazing cinematography and just like imagery in this film. Like that last final shot of like 
him touching like you know his his boat hitting the canvas it's so kind of memorable i mean like a couple of years ago in that in one of Kanye West's mad interviews, he like talked about sort of like the culture being Truman's boat at the edge of the canvas or whatever it was. And I think that speaks to just sort of some of the imagery in this film and how just like long lasting it is. And it's obviously better enjoyed on like a big screen. Um, I'd still give it like a three because you could just watch this film anywhere. Um, I would give it three as well. I think uh, I've never, I never saw it in a cinema never you know never had that opportunity but i can imagine that you know if i saw it in theater that would be a great experience and like al said like the imagery is so big and i think also it's worth mentioning like the awesome score and you know it just makes the films feel so much bigger and operatic in a way um so yeah i think it's philip glass a lot of it and then then maybe a couple more composers um so yeah like i i I wish i could see it i think if we could still have theaters right now it'd be great to get like a um, you know, another screening of Truman Show just to be able to compare what I've missed. Um, so, but also a great, um, you know, TV movie also that I would finish if I, you know, went in there in the middle. So, yeah, like a three. Yeah. Helen. Yeah, so I, I love seeing this at the cinema. And one of the things I also loved about it was the, the cinema poster, which was made up of like the, like the individual shots that made like his big face, which we kind of see a lot now, but. Like the first time they did it was really incredible. And the although I loved it at the cinema, when I watch it now, I feel like I'm like one of those people, like one of the little old ladies on the settee, kind of like <laughs> watching it live as it happens. So I'm not actually watching the film, I'm actually watching like the Truman feed. So I think because I had the the great cinema wow experience first and then subsequent watches have been at home. I'm I'm kind of happy with that, so I'm gonna give it a four. I really enjoyed it at the cinema, and like I say, I came out feeling a bit freaked out. Um, but yeah, I think I, I agree with Helen. It's it's quite it's quite nice being the participant of you know the goggle the goggle box kind of uh, point of view, being on the on the sofa watching it. So I'm gonna give it a four point one. I think engagement score, Al. Engagement score for me is it's five while you're watching it, and then it continues to be a five for like. <laughs> two hours after you've watched it like it's so funny like the way even the other day when i rewatched it um before doing this like the hours afterwards i was like i went on a funny little like train of thought of like but what if i am and then i realized that if i actually was being truman then it would be like a ratings disaster because terribly boring life you know especially in lockdown so uh, yeah you're just you, this as we've touched on over the course of this conversation there's just so much mythology unexplored with this that like your brain can totally run away with you. It grips you while you watch it and it grips you long after. It's got to be a five. Cam? Um, five as well. I, I think I'm still, even when I'm saying that I would like to see the darker version, I think that also means that I'm engaged in that I'm still watching this film and I'm like, what if, you know, I'm, or, I'm, or I'm thinking, oh man, do I want to see what's outside when he leaves the door, you know? Or like, and I'm still thinking about these things. And I just, and also like, just in terms of just the movie being intense, we didn't really talk much about like uh, Ed Harris's performance. And I think Ed Harris isn't great in it. So every time like um, uh, Truman is on that boat and he's like changing the weather on him, like he's God or something, I'm always like, man, 
that's some good Harris right there because he's just like hit him harder, you know, and like like you know I've seen it a hundred times and I'm still just like oh you know that's that's where Harris goes crazy, you know, and yeah, so that's a definitely like it's it's Truman Show. You're always engaged, you know. Five. Just before we go to help before we go to Helen the the bit when he walks through the door. I mean, what, what do would you want to see more than that? Um, and also, what do you make of Natasha McElhone's character? Because I. I feel she's a bit underserved in this, um, or she kind of works as the, she's almost like a MacGuffin for, or cipher for, for Truman to get out. Al, you want to take this? Yeah, so I... funny you should mention that in the script, in the first draft, you see, you follow him through that door, you see all the kind of like, co like the stagehands and all that sort of thing who normally just, you know, do their thing around this set. And they're just like, wait, what? And you know, and then he's reunited with um, with like the love interest, who yeah is underserved. And you know what? It didn't really like on the page. It didn't really offer much. That like, there's something so wonderful about like the film ending as his real life begins, and like you not mm. seeing him step yeah. into the unknown. There's just something so poetic and magical about it and also like thematically watching a film watching this guy on camera who's spent his entire life on camera there's something just like so satisfying about like us not knowing what happens to him next because he's a character he's earned that freedom he's earned for us not to know the rest of his story i absolutely love it that's very true i think it's a perfect ending and this is nothing better than kind of your imagination of what could be than a slightly underwhelming ending i think for that <laughs> yeah because what what does he do he goes and shakes the guy's hands so, thank you for filming me for the past 30 years yeah that's a lawsuit surely like one hell of a lawsuit the rest is just an aaron the truman show 2 is like an aaron sorkin legal battle with him going <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck you're sued so the one of the things that is really interesting and also a little bit dark is the level of commitment they go to, including faking the death of his father Mm. to make sure that he either A, never gets on a plane or B, never gets on the boat. And when you you rewatch it and when you really pay attention, there's so many things like um, all of the stuff in the travel agents is like all really bad news. And she, you know, his wife slips in, you know, stories of accidents about boats sinking planes crashing etc etc so this film you have the more you are engaged in it and the more that you go into the world that you just get so much more out of it so i'm gonna give it a five for engagement yeah i'm gonna give it a five as well you you gotta be in it you gotta be in it to win it um it's a great <laughs> film and it, it deserves your attention because i don't think you get anything i don't think you get as much out of it if you're kind of half-heartedly watching it um and that gives us an overall score of 4.5 0625 which is a great great shout thank you very much guys for picking that let's head over to twitter where we do give a shout out before we go into recording so in this case um we shout out from at flixwatcherpod we're reviewing the Truman show with al and camille from ask scripts apart have you seen the film gives you thoughts uh for a shout out on the show and we had one bit of feedback al can you see that let's see yes i can so Alex Elliott said, I was totally engrossed by the Truman Show. And if I was in a bath while watching, I would definitely have jumped up cheering as he stepped through that door. <laughs> Five good morning, noon and nights to you. Fair play. Couldn't Fair have said play. it better, Alex. 
Al and Cam, thank you very much for joining us. Can you sign up by telling the guys who are listening where they can find you online? Tell us a bit more about the charity that you support. And uh, we'll say goodbye to all the listeners. Yeah, so you can follow us on, and our podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Script Apart. You can uh, read up and listen to all our episodes at scriptapart.com where you can get our podcasts, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, if you find what we do interesting or useful in any way then you know it really does mean a lot to us if you're able to um donate we are raising money for black minds matter uk uh the nhs covid appeal and film and tv charity so just go to scriptapart.com and there's a big donate button and you can just paypal you know yeah it's pretty obvious you'll figure it out (laughs) cam where are you on twitter i'm at uh, camille demek and same with uh, instagram and yeah thanks for for whoever's listening to our show thank you so much there's going to be really cool episodes coming till the end of the year so you know remember to follow us wherever you get your podcast and thanks so much for having us guys yeah thanks, thanks so, so much guys we're big fans yeah, so, fun. Film. so much fun it's crazy how you guys are just paid actors and this whole <laughs> thing is just a part of an elaborate reality tv show about my life so great acting wow. guys this is an easy one. You know, I don't have to sleep with you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Bye. 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 Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K, Wood Audio. Tell him Flix Watcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.